You're listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself, Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Gentlemen, please stand. Take your hats off, put them over your heart. I have to say, I am more than a little bit relieved that the Senate did something fantastic today. Hello, welcome to the show, our sexist, gender non neutral national anthem. Our misogynistic anthem lives another day. Thank you, senators. Thank you, independent senators. Thank you, conservative senators. We can still cry out in all thy son's command like God intended us to. Or as some guy that wrote the lyrics in 1908 intended us to. Look. This hasn't gotten the attention that it deserves yet, but given that it's a a local Ottawa MP who put forward the bill that passed the House of Commons to change the the national anthem and make it gender neutral and instead say, in all of us command instead of in all thy sons command, I think it's worth talking about this. I think it's worth talking about the fact that the Senate blocked this bill this ill-conceived bill from going through. Now, I want to walk you through why this is a good thing. I've got five solid reasons why this is a good thing that the Senate did. Because what happened was conservative senators, this passed the House of Commons because they rushed it through and all the liberals voted for it without even thinking. Because, well, they're liberal MPs, why would they think? But then the senators... On the conservative side and some of the independents were like, hold on, I'm not sure about this. You know, we didn't really talk to the people. What did the people think? Oh, tack with the people. Just pass it. It's a dying man's wish. Just get to it. Well, there's a lot of reasons why this is a good thing. Number one, this was a rushed bill. All right, I'm going to give you my top five reasons. Number one, this was a rushed bill. Maril Belanger was an MP for a long time. This was never one of his big issues, but suddenly it became his big idea. He tabled his idea of changing the national anthem just before the last election, was defeated in the House of Commons. Then the Liberals win, he brings it back. They didn't even hold proper hearings on this. They didn't talk to the the Canadian people. They didn't do a public awareness campaign. Hey, we're going to change your anthem. What do you think? They didn't hold regular hearings where they bring in experts and witness testimony and all of that. They didn't do any of that. In fact, they changed the rules. They changed the rules and then they kept saying, well, Moreau Belanger, he's got Lou Gehrig's disease. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Which brings me to the number two reason why this is a bad idea. The liberals claimed that they had to rush this through because this was a dying man's wish. Maril Belanger had Lou Gehrig's disease, disease. He had ALS. Therefore, dying man's wish, we've got to pass this bill. With all respect to Maril Belanger, to his friends, to his family, 
saying that something is a dying man's last wish is not a reason to pass it through Parliament. Not now, not ever. He's not the first MP to die in office. He will not be the last. And if they all got a dying man's last wish, who knows what our legislation would look like. Well, we got to pass it. It's a dying man's last wish. That's not the way that our our system works. Not at all. And Belanger, to be honest, was MP from February 95. In fact, February 13th, 95, until August 16th, 2016. In all that time, he didn't, he didn't actually pass a private member's bill outside of this one, which passed through the House of Commons, but not the Senate yet. He never talked about this until shortly before his passing. So why was this such a big deal for him? Well, that gets me to number three on why this is a good idea, that the Senate shut it down. And what's that? This was about wedge politics. I don't even think this was Muriel Boulanger's idea. I think this was the party's idea and his name came up, you know, because how it happens with private members, Bill, is you put your name into a lottery, your name comes up. Sometimes you have a bill ready. Sometimes the party does and they put it in. And I think this was the party's idea. And they said, hey, let's do this so that we can wedge the conservatives, make them look out of touch, make them look like they're against gender equality. And why not? Let's make conservatives look bad. That's that's what liberals do. Right. Well, that's not a reason to actually change the national anthem. Wedge politics is not a good enough reason to say, let's change the way that we sing our national anthem. Doesn't matter if you can sit there and say, well, the conservatives are misogynistic, the conservatives are sexist, and and that you can score political points on that. I'm sorry, that's not a good, good enough reason to change the national anthem, which brings me to point number four. In all of this, which is that Canadians had already said no to this idea. Canadians said no to this back in 2010 when, well, who was the prime minister back in 2010? He had prorogued, he had thrown speech, there was stuff going on. Um, uh, Stephen Harper, yeah, Stephen Harper, that mean Steve, the conservative guy, mean Steve, that's what they call him over at the state broadcaster still to this day. Stephen Harper, at the suggestion of conservative senator nancy ruth she had suggested let's make the anthem gender neutral he'd been asking around for ideas what do you guys want to see in his caucus what do you guys want to see on the throne speech nancy ruth came forward and said i'd actually like to see a gender neutral anthem and and here's my idea nancy ruth said let's replace the line in all our sons command with the original from robert weir which was thou dust in us command that's the original 1908 English lyric. Thou dust in us command. In 1914, it was changed to in all thy sons command because of the war. So Harper had the idea of let's go back to the original. Let's go back to something that's historically accurate. He put it in the throne speech. Canadians lost their minds. They said, no, we don't want to change the anthem. What are you doing? Don't mess with our anthem. They told him in no uncertain terms, stop. So we did. Canadians said we like our anthem as it is. Reason number five why this is a good thing that the Senate did. And it's quite simple. One word, French. In English, they wanted to change the anthem. But no one has asked for the French lyrics to be changed. Not at all. 
Muriel Belanger was a proud Franco-Ontarian. He's originally from up the valley in Mattawa, Franco-Ontarian community there. He fought for Franco-Ontarian rights here in Ottawa, including the Montfort Hospital and other issues. That was very important to him. If you were to ask me what was one of the main reasons for Muriel Belanger to be in office, I would say fighting for Franco-Ontarians. Fighting for the French language outside of Quebec. So why is the bill that they wanted to rush through and describe as his life work changing the English words? And then they say, well, it's a dying man's last wish, so you got to do it. There was no push then, and there has been no push now, not from Trudeau, not from anybody else in his Quebec-dominant caucus, to say, let's change the French lyrics. Do you know what the French lyrics are? I'm going to play. I'm going to read them out. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to torture you. I'm going to play O Canada again, and I'm going to tell you what the French lyrics are, the English translation from the Parliamentary Translation Service, what they are, because they make progressive ears bleed. All these people, they say, we need an inclusive national anthem. We need a gender-neutral national anthem. We need to be inclusive. Listen to these French lyrics. I may have missed my opening, but I'll start now. O Canada, land of our ancestors, glorious deeds circle your brow. For your arm knows how to wield the sword, for your arm knows how to carry the cross. Your history is an epic of brilliant deeds, and your valor steeped in faith will protect our homes and our rights. Will protect our homes and our rights. That's right, folks. Our national anthem in the original French lyrics, which long predate the English lyrics. It's the original lyrics, the original song, all done in French, believe it or not, to Mark St. Jean-Baptiste Day, 1880. Yeah, it became a nationalist holiday for the separatists, but it originally was not that. Our national anthem in the original French speaks of carrying a sword. It speaks of carrying a cross. Heaven forbid it speaks of carrying a cross. It talks about defending our homes and our rights due to our valor that is steeped in faith. Belanger didn't push for those changes. Trudeau didn't push for those changes. Belanger, of course, is passed on. He won't, but Trudeau won't either. Neither will anyone else in his caucus or his cabinet. They don't mind stirring up a hornet's nest in English Canada, but they don't want to anger francophones by saying, let's change the words in French. I remember when I was a Boy Scout and going to a Boy Scout dinner with, I think it was just my mother that was there. Might have been my mom and my dad, but definitely my mom was there. And and they had to stand up to say no Canada. And they taught us the words, and this is about 1978, 79, in that range. And they had just changed the words. I knew the words. Maybe it was 1980. Maybe that's when they changed it. But I knew the words, and my parents didn't. My parents had just become citizens, but since that time, they changed the words. So I know that the lyrics in English to O Canada have changed, and they've changed more than once, and I'm sure they'll change more than once again. But here's what I have to say. To all those folks that wanted to rush through the changes 
that have now been blocked by the Senate. Thank you, senators. I have to say this. If we're going to change the lyrics to the national anthem, then the public should actually be engaged. They should know it's happening. Because when they knew it was going to happen the last time under Stephen Harper, they said loudly and clearly no. Secondly, if we're going to change the lyrics of the national anthem, it should be to change the lyrics of the national anthem, not so that we can engage in wedge politics, which is what this last one was. We should have proper input, proper procedure, and we should make sure that we're going to change both anthems. Not just the English, but the French. Because if we have to have an inclusive national anthem in English, then we should have to have one in French as well. But if Justin Trudeau and his liberal caucus are not willing to stand up and tell francophones that their national anthem, that the lyrics to the national anthem in French aren't good enough anymore either, then they should just shut the hell up and leave the rest of us alone and get on with more serious matters of governing the country. My name's Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. If you're watching on the Facebook Live app, please join us for the rest of the program at CFRA.com or on the iHeartRadio app. We've got a great show coming up for you. All those people that are losing their jobs due to the demise of Sears Canada are going to speak to an employment lawyer, Lior Samfuru, about whether or not they have any rights at this point Sears is already seeking bankruptcy protection, credit or protection. Do they have any rights? Are they able to seek out some, uh, you know, any sort of severance, any sort of benefits that they had previously in their contract? We'll talk to him about that. We'll check in with Jody Minnick, city councillor and Canadian sniper, about this great story of Canadian snipers setting, smashing an international record and a small business owner who owns a craft brewery in town. Curious about the other issue the Senate couldn't block. Along the way, we'll also talk about the Salvation Army moving out of downtown, the opioid crisis, and so much more. Brian Lilly, Beyond the News, News Talk 580 CFRA. Stick around. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Follow the outrage on Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Ryan Lilly's Five Things You Need to Know. Story number one that you need to know about is the bun fight between the House of Commons and the Senate. On one side, the Senate won, and on the other side... The Senate lost. I've already talked about uh, the issue that I think is quite important to us, but that's not the number one story you need to know about. It is the budget fight, and that is where the Senate lost. Senators ended up agreeing after originally sending back the budget bill and saying, you know what, you can't have a perpetual tax from here to eternity on booze of any sort, but that's what they're going to do. Because the Senate passed amendment stripping out what's called the escalator tax. That was put in by the House of Commons. A unanimous vote sent it back, partly over the idea that the Senate should not change budget bills or money bills. 
passed by the House of Commons. So even the opposition that had voted against the budget turned around and said to the Senate, you can't do this. I can see both sides. I absolutely can. Canadian press reporter Terry Pedwell says members of the um, the upper chamber, members of the Senate, they're still at odds with the House of Commons on whether they're entitled to change this sort of legislation. Senators have effectively approved the budget implementation bill by voting against insisting the government adopt their amendments to the legislation. But that hasn't stopped them from telling the House of Commons that the upper chamber has a constitutional right to amend any legislation, whatever its nature or source. The government, of course, disagrees, saying only MPs can ultimately decide money matters. And, of course, the bill passed, I believe it was, 50 to 30. Story number two that you need to know know about, you've been hearing about it since yesterday. We talked about it a little bit last night, and that is the idea of the Salvation Army moving from their location about a block and a half from where my posterior sits right now out to Montreal Road in Vanier by late 2019 or early 2020. It looks like they've bought the old Concord Motel, which is adjacent to a thrift store that they currently operate But area politicians not happy, the local Liberal MP, the local uh, Liberal MPP, and the local Liberal-slash-NDP councillor, Matthew Fleury. So Mona Fortier, Natalie DeRossi, and Matthew Fleury all say there's got to be open and transparent discussions on the matter. Sounds like, despite the fact that the left always wants to say, well, we've got to put people where they need to be, now they've become rather nimbious. I don't think Montreal Road is the best fit. I think there's other locations where the client would be in a better position. So I'm not saying no, not in my area. I'm saying I think let's engage, let's open up the discussion and see if there is an ideal location. Story number three you need to know about is that rifles are going to be carried around the Ottawa airport. If you've traveled in Europe around airports, this is not going to be a shock for you. Airport Staff Sergeant Atala Sadaka says travelers shouldn't be concerned. This is truly for their safety and security. And if that question was posed to us by any traveler, that's that would be our response. Is It's for their safety and security. And then certainly any other security measures that we've uh, uh, deployed here, the feedback has always been positive. All right. And coming up in just a couple minutes time will be story number four. We're, in, we're going to speak to Lior Samfiru, the employment lawyer, about those workers, including those at a store in Ottawa East, a store in Hall, store in Brockville and in Cornwall that are losing their jobs as Sears and Sears home stores close throughout Canada. We'll talk with him in just a minute, a few minutes time. And of course, Last night, we broke the news to you that Mark Mathot is leaving the Ottawa Senators, chosen in the expansion draft by the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Eric Carlson, not too happy with that. It's not a surprise for us. It's something that, uh, uh, you know, we've known and, and signed up for, and, and it's been coming for a long time. But then again, obviously, uh, being a close friend and, and someone that I played with for a long time, it's not fun to, to see that, you know, he might, uh, you know, uh, move on, uh, uh, even though he doesn't want to, and, and we don't want him to. All right, I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Those are the five stories you need to know. When we come back, Lior Samfura will join us. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. While we've been talking about this for a little while, the demise of Sears in Canada, and I've mentioned before that 
I grew up, I was a Sonic kid. You know, I wore the rugby shirts with Sonic on them. I had Sonic running shoes. Maybe because my, my mother worked at Sears for a long time. I don't think I've mentioned that before. I also learned how to do math in Sears because my mother got a 15% discount. And she used to quiz me on, if we buy that, what's the discount? And I'd have to do it in my head. So I have lots of great memories of Sears. But I have to say, as an adult, my twins are 13. And maybe the last time I remember buying anything of substance there was when the twins were about four. And we needed snowsuits for toddlers. So that's that's like nine, almost ten years ago now. And unfortunately, that's the case for so many people. So you've got stores closing, 59 stores across Canada closing. It's seeking protection from creditors. It's um, going to try and restructure, it says. Four stores in the Ottawa area closing include Brockville, the outlet in Cornwall, the Sears Home Store on Innes Road in the east end of Ottawa. And as CTV's uh, Katie Griffin says, the store in Hall, she says that's going to be really hard on the community. 117 employees there will lose their jobs today. It was business as usual at the store, and it was pretty busy. Many shoppers say they're sad to see a staple in the retail industry go. 117 employees just at the Hall store. Brockville, it was a major store as well. Cornwall and Outlet. Ottawa used it's a home store, so it's just a furniture stuff. We're talking between those four, several hundred employees, three to four hundred would be my guess. Those are three to four hundred families that are losing a source of income now. Do they have any remedies in terms of severance, in terms of payouts, you know, pensions, all of that? All of that stuff's on the line now. Leo Samfiro is, of course, the employment lawyer. That's what he's known as. That's why we have him on. And he joins me on the line now, and, and Lior, the unfortunate uh, news, I think, is that it's 3,000 jobs across Canada, just several, I, I say just several hundred in this eastern Ontario, western Quebec region. But if you're one of those families, that's a lot. Um, this is not good news. No, this is terrible news, Brian. And, and you know, we're talking about a few hundred uh, in the auto area, a couple thousand or 3,000 or so across Canada. But this is just now. I, I think it is likely that over the next few weeks, few months, some or maybe all of the other stores will close down. That's potentially another eight to 10,000 people losing their jobs. And it is a difficult, difficult situation, uh, mainly because of the fact uh, for the employees that their entitlement or their remedies when it comes to severance and termination pay are going to be limited. Sears has many long-service employees, people that have been with them 20 years plus. And in the normal situation, these employees could be owed as much as two years' pay, as much as two years' pay by way of severance. We're talking about now uh, they would be fortunate to get a tenth of that in, in, in some situations. And certainly uh, it, it's, it's going to be very difficult potentially for them to replace the income that they've lost in that period of time. So uh, we are really talking about, uh, you know, as difficult as it is. So it is, hold on. Right. You say two years pay. Let's say you've you've worked there a long time. You're in a decent position. You're making fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year. You're talking well over a hundred grand, and now you're going to get pennies on the dollar. Like how many? How many pennies? <laughs> yeah, well, please tell me more a, than two. Uh, yeah, it may be more than two, but it's not going to be a lot more than two. Uh, it could be a situation where someone that would have otherwise gotten twenty-four months' pay is going to be looking at 
three, four, five months pay, maybe, maybe. So somewhere in that range. And ultimately, the court is going to have to approve whatever Sears is proposing uh, to pay its employees. And it could be less than that. But no one, anyone is going to get anywhere near their full severance entitlements. Uh, and, and, and the problem is normally if a company underpays you severance, there are very good le- legal remedies that are available. You can take legal action to get that amount. Well, and we company, can call your office, let's say. Well, that, that, that's <laughs> what I do for a living. And in fact, over the years, I've represented many uh, Sears employees. The problem is right now when they're under the CCAA protection, there's this this as the name suggests, this blanket of protection around them, and they're untouchable. No one can pursue them for any uh, amounts, any entitlements, uh, and that applies to employees which are considered unsecured creditors, which means they're in the back of the line when it comes to amounts owing to them. All right, so help me out with this, um, unsecured creditors. I, I thought that also applied to, say, a contractor. I mean, let's say you'd been providing security services, to the company, or you'd been janitorial, you know, anything they'd contracted out, uh, maintenance, um, going in and, and, and fixing broken locks, that sort of thing. Anything that they owe contractors, are, are they also in the same boat of being unsecured creditors? Yes, they are exactly in the same boat as unsecured creditors. The secured creditors usually are, are the ones that have lent them money or given them credit, like, like the banks, as well as those who have registered a security interest uh, over over equipment or other materials. But generally, anyone that, that Sears does business with in the normal course of events, uh, employees, contractors, et cetera, suppliers, uh, those people would often be considered to be unsecured creditors. And essentially, they get whatever is left, if any, uh, if anything, after the secured creditors are paid. Uh, so, so that means that uh, you, you know, there, there are going to be slim pickings, uh, if anything at all. Speaking with Lior Samfira, the employment lawyer, and Lior, uh, you know, I know some folks are going to listen to you and I talking and say, well, you know, these employees should have seen it coming. They should have gotten out of there. But if you've been with a company for 25 years, just suddenly deciding you're going to pack up and, and move, that's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. It isn't the easiest thing, and, and there's a sense, of course, of, of loyalty, and, and these jobs are not always easy to replace because after 25 years, you've accumulated a certain salary level and, and benefits and vacation. And keep in mind also, Brian, Sears, up until very recently, potentially even now, has been trying to send a, a business-as-usual uh, message out there. Well, and they, still, they used to be dominant. Well, yeah. I, I'm still getting emails from, from Sears. I'm somehow on their mailing list saying, you know, they have sales on mattresses. So, I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they were trying to portray business as usual. Employees had faith in that. Uh, and I, I can tell you from my experience, and I, I actually learned about this impending bankruptcy or protection uh, a couple weeks ago. I was negotiating severance on behalf of a Sears employee that was let go uh, a couple months back. And all of a sudden, uh, Sears says, all our offers are off the table, and if you want, go ahead and sue us. They would only do that because they know that I can't sue them, given the fact that they're going to be under this protection. So at that point, I already knew that this is bad news for their employees. And sure enough, today we got the word that uh, they filed for that bankruptcy protection. So even if, let's say I was a, a longtime Sears employee and and I'd been let go and I, I, I felt that it wasn't you know with proper cause or I wasn't given proper severance and I'd gone to you and you had even filed papers and launched legal proceedings... If it wasn't settled, same thing, wouldn't matter. 
it's e- even worse than that, Brian. So maybe we settled. So let's let's use an example. So six months ago, let's say I settled the case for an employee on the basis that they're going to get paid for the next 18 months. Well, six months later, now the company uh, goes into this protection. If they stop paying this employee that, I, uh, that we negotiated uh, for six months ago, there's no legal remedy. You can't go and take legal action to enforce the settlement. So not only employees that are, are uh, we were in the process of settling, even those that we've settled, signed, sealed documents, potentially, uh, if Sears doesn't live up to these obligations, there's no remedy. Lear, I've known people in the media business who have been offered uh, buyouts at different times, and I unfortunately have never been in the position to be offered a big buyout. I'd like to be offered a big buyout at some point. If (laughs) if someone wants to fire me, I'm happy to take a big buyout. But um, I've I've talked to some of them, and various people have been told, and you know what the state of the media is. It's precarious as well, and people have said, well, I was told I could take X number of dollars lump sum right now or I could take salary for X number of months or, you know, a year, two years, that sort of thing. And most of them have looked at the state of the industry and said, I'm going to take the money now. Yeah. Is that the wise move or or what kind of – if you're not sure where your company's at, what kind of advice do you give to clients, you know, without selling yourself short here? No, excellent question, Brian. And this is certainly something that comes up very often. And oftentimes when we negotiate severance, there's a, there's a, a two possibilities. Here's a lump sum payment, or you can have more money, but it's going to be paid over time. So at that point, we look at the company and its viability. And are we concerned that it's going to be around? Do we want to be tied to them for the next X amount of months? You know, if it's the Royal Bank of Canada, then we're probably not worried. They're going to be around. But if it's someone that uh, is struggling financially, I would rather advise my client to take the money now, you know, a bird in hand and all that. Uh, and, and certainly with, with Sears, we, we've been mindful of the fact over the past couple of years that they're struggling. And as much as possible, when I've negotiated settlements, uh, we've done it as a lump sum payment. But in some situations, it had to be payment over time. And, and right now, you know, these individuals may be in a precarious situation. I don't, I'm not suggesting that, that Sears is going to reach those agreements all i'm saying is that if they do there's no recourse yeah it's uh, it's very difficult uh Lear, thanks for the time and uh, we can catch you of course this coming weekend on the employment hour each and every it's saturday and sunday right correct saturday and sunday right here on news talk 580 cfra Lear samfuru the employment lawyer thanks so much my friend thanks brian all right i i got a feel for each and every one of these families and what they're going through right now i've <laughs> It was very public that I lost my job about a year and a half ago. But no, more than two years ago now. And uh, decided to uh, to scrape and scramble and uh, and do what I had to. But losing your job is never an easy thing. And so all of these families, I, I completely understand what you're going through. Um, and, and I wish you all the best and hope that you find something sooner rather than later. Uh, Sears, I I don't think, is going to stick around. I know they say they think they can restructure. I'm not sure they can. Stick around. My name's Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Uh, we will, uh, we're will. we going to try and connect with Jody Minnick, city councillor, retired Canadian sniper. But he is in a meeting, so we're going to see if we can connect with him. We can drag him out of his meeting to talk about this, this latest amazing feat by a Canadian sniper. That just after 8 o'clock. Back after this.
This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Get some FaceTime with Brian. Join the resistance at Facebook.com slash 580 CFRA. I don't think Montreal Road is the best fit. I think there's other locations where the client would be in a better position. So I'm not saying no, not in my area. I'm saying I think let's engage, let's open up the discussion and see if there is a, an ideal location. Hmm. What, what, what did Matthew Fleury say there? Did he, did he just say not in my area or like like he's okay with this uh, but hold on what do you say i'm not saying no not in my area i'm saying i think let's engage let's open up the discussion and see if there is a, an ideal location except i think he is saying not in my area although matthew flurry in fairness to him and and i don't know matthew flurry at all i i don't believe we've ever met i will have to fix that one day because i, I don't have anything against the man at all but i i am somewhat suspicious of Liberal MP Monoforte, Liberal MPP Natalie DeRossier, and Liberal-slash-NDP councillor Matthew Fleury all saying that they don't want the shelter moving on to Montreal Road. I, I, I thought we were all supposed to embrace homeless shelters and homeless people and accept them wherever they are. You know, I know that there's different treatments for different parts of the city, and I was thinking about this last night as I left the studio, and I, I went by the... Um, uh, the Shadow Laurier, if, you, if you've seen the bike lanes on O'Connor, they're ugly. They have these short little tiny parking mini Jersey wall things going along the roadway. The bike lanes are painted green. They've got all of these, you know, those, those things you can drive by, you can run them over and they flip back up. They've got those all over the place. The, the bike lanes are an eyesore. But between the Shadow Laurier and 700 Sussex, where a condo will cost you $700,000 and up, the bike lanes are beautiful. They've got lovely little stone barriers between the bike lane and the drivers. So if you've got enough money, you can get things done that you're treated differently. Look, I completely get that. But Matthew Fleury and... MP Forche and MPP DeRossier saying, oh, well, we're not saying not in my backyard, but not in my backyard. I have a hard time buying that. Now, I don't have a hard time buying folks like Chris Penton, who until just recently was the president of the Vanier Community Association, and he's completely taken aback over the idea that the Salvation Army is going to move their shelter from the Byward Market into the middle of his community. I get that he's completely dumbfounded by this and wonders why they didn't consult local residents first. We've just come out of a huge community engagement piece with the city and the councillor and a bunch of other groups on the revitalization of Montreal Road. It's kind of a bit of a burn that a group just didn't consider that at all. He lives there. I get that. I don't think Councillor Fleury lives on Montreal Road. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you know where Councillor Fleury lives, I'm not going to give out his address. But I'm, I'm betting he doesn't live right on Montreal Road. He's not on Marier. He's not in one of those apartments around the corner from some of those dodgy places. And, and this is why Montreal Road is probably not the best spot for this. Montreal Road has its problems and has since I moved here. I remember when I moved to Ottawa in 98, 
I, I worked at 66 Slater. I worked at, uh, or lived at Montreal and Brittany. And I was staying with my in-laws. And I used to walk home through Vanier. And people would say, oh, you walk through Vanier. That's crazy. That place is nuts. You're going to get killed. And I remember looking around Vanier thinking, if this was Toronto or Hamilton, it would be snapped up like that. Like that. Just boom. And it would be gentrified because there's some nice houses with nice bones in it. It's close to downtown. But that's not happening in Ottawa. This is not the next Hintonburg. This is an area that still has a lot of problems with crime, with drugs. And moving this homeless shelter into the middle is not the best idea. Catherine Lebossier is a property owner in Vanier, and she's part of this backlash. Well, I feel it's just further ghettoization of Vanier and the downtown. I I found out about this at 11 o'clock last night and was in absolute shock shocked that the Salvation Army would feel this was a good idea. Well, it's uh, because of people like Chris Penton and Catherine Lebossier that Matthew Fleury is now calling for the Sally Ann to um, halt their plans and reconsider their zoning application after spending $5 million on the property, I'm told. I don't think Montreal Road is the best fit. I'm not saying no, not in my area. I'm saying I think let's engage. Let's open up the discussion mm-hmm. with all levels of government. Mm-hmm. With, I'm not uh, saying not in my area, but not in my area. If there is a, an ideal location. So all I'm saying, I'm not saying not in my area, but just not in my area. In another part of my area where it, you know, people are used to homeless shelters, like the Byword Market. Look, I, I get the mayor's push to say let's stop concentrating everything within a few block radius. I don't think it's good for the market. I don't think it's good for the people that we're trying to help. But I also don't think this is the best idea for Montreal Road. Um, you know, we need something more than a group announcing, we've just bought this property and we're going to move a bunch of homeless people with a lot of drug and mental health issues into your neighborhood. I think you need more consultation than that. Maybe it's just me. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back after this. In a world gone mad, there must be resistance. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Yes, uh, we do agree with the fact that uh, the escalator tax is a wrong tax. And more than ever, this is a clear indication that the government shall backtrack on that. That was Conservative MP Gerard Deltel yesterday talking about why the Senate was right to push back against what's called an escalator tax. What's the escalator tax aimed at? It's aimed at this. A can of beer that I'm opening in studio right now. It's from Whippersnapper. We've talked to... Dave Howard before. He's one of the people behind Whippersnapper. Small uh, craft brewery here in town. It's growing. And I'm about to try one of their, their new beers, Okila Ginger Coriander Cream Ale. Uh, this is new stuff to me. But, you know, what we're talking about is, on one sense, very esoteric, an escalator tax, a perpetual annual increase in tax tied to the rate of inflation on one product and one product only. That would be alcohol. That would be on beer. 
that would be on wine, that would be on spirits. So if you're sitting down after work today and having a beer or a glass of wine, you're pouring yourself a cocktail, that's just going to get more expensive. Well, if you are a an entrepreneur that's trying to make a, a go of this and creating jobs, being told by the government you're going to face tax increases year after year after year after year without us ever having to go to parliament or face a backlash over this ever again because we're just going to pass it and never think about it again, I would say that's probably a scary proposition. Dave Howard, thanks for the time tonight. Thanks for having me, Brian. You, um, you and your partner started this uh, kind of out of a, a love affair. Mm-hmm. whippersnapper you you guys just liked beer yep and probably had one too many one night and decided to um uh to to start a brewery and then the next day it still seemed like a good idea and and you went with it that's exactly is that what accurate ha- that's exactly what happened <laughs> i uh i was i was reading the story of george clooney he just sold out his uh tequila business for a billion dollars to uh diageo um, yeah, I hope one day you can sell out for a billion dollars, Dave. Yeah, even if it started with an M for a million, I'd be good. Yeah, so, but, uh, you know, he he literally started that same way. He was with a buddy, and they're drinking tequila and said, you know, we should do this. And the next day, it still sounded like a good idea. Yeah. So, but along the way, you've created jobs. You've created a bunch of jobs, some full-time, some part-time. Yeah, we have. You know, at, when, when you start a small business, often... Um you have to do a lot of the work yourself, the setup, everything. You know, I worked a year and a half for seven days a week and, you know, two or three nights a week after my day job went in until 10 o'clock. Because you, you, you guys all have day jobs. Yeah, exactly. And, and because it's, it doesn't pay enough for us all to, uh, to live off of it at the moment. So it's more of a, it was more of a fun thing and, and grow it slowly. But as we, as we you know, were able to relinquish our, our duties, we hire people, you know, because so, we don't want to be working seven days a week for the rest of our lives. So we hire people and we are trying to sell more beer. And what we're finding is that government and the fees and everything are just, are just making it continuously difficult for us to succeed because they're just wanting to take more and more all the time. Tell me in real terms what this excise tax might mean for you and your partners at Whippersnapper because – People say, well, you know, beer, beers, uh, it's all tax anyway, so what does it matter to me? Well, yeah, you know, it's, you, people look at it 2%. So what's 2% on, on $10 or, or, you know, for a beer or whatever. But the thing is, you know, any, any product you buy at retail, um, you know, if, if you increase your prices 2%, they, they have to increase their prices by equal amount to, to make the same margin. So it's, the price goes up 4%. You know, it's, and it's going up in perpetuity. So say inflation next year is 3% or 3.5%. Beer, our excess beer tax, prices go up by 3.5%. Well, yeah, exactly. And then turn So, around. I mean, we're saying 2%, yeah. generally speaking. But, but we it, don't know. It could be more. What if inflation hits 8%, 9%? We have no control over that. In, in my lifetime and yours, you and I both remember inflation in that range absolutely uh you know not recently thank goodness mm-hmm. but late 70s early 80s that that was the case yeah I, I still remember i mean i bought my first house in the in the 80s and i was i was paying like you know 15 percent interest so <laughs> it's like everybody has those kind of memories but the you know the other thing that that uh, you know i want to point out and we've talked about this before is we started um you know we're in our third year our hydro prices have over doubled um, since we took over. I mean, who can handle those kind so of? So your uh, hydro prices have doubled. Mm-hmm. The provincial government's about to tell you 
that you've got to increase your minimum wage. And, Correct. And we talked about that. By, we had you on about the minimum wage a little while ago. You know, if you're already paying somebody 15 bucks an hour, well, they're not going to be happy making 15 bucks an hour if that's the minimum wage. So you're going to have to increase that. Right. Um, you have all these other CPP, EI, all of that. And, and now, now this, I've never heard, and I've been talking to people, I have never heard of an escalator tax being passed in a parliamentary system like ours, where every year it's an automatic increase without a vote. Now, I remember I worked for the old city of Nepean. I worked for Center Point Theater uh, before amalgamation. And people there used to talk about how, oh, yeah, we have a basically we have a tax increase every year in the city of Nepean, but that's so that we can have good roads and good parks. And Nepean was better than Ottawa, let's face facts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the roads the, the roads were smooth back then. The, the parks <laughs> were good. The, the services were good. But they voted on it every year and they argued about it. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the. The old story about Centerpoint Theater is the lobby is 10 feet um, smaller, 10 feet less wide than they planned on it because there were cost overruns. So they shrunk it before building. And, and you, you, they actually cared about taxpayers. This says to heck with taxpayers, to heck with businesses, we're just going to pass a perpetual tax increase. Yeah, and, and that – also is very difficult for how do you plan for that you know who knows what inflation is going to be you know two three years from now what people don't understand is you know businesses uh, like ours you know if we don't own our own building and many people don't own their own building they have to sign five ten year leases and often you know you're putting up your house for this and and now you're seeing people like there's so much uncertainty uh, you know you, you you know I was just shocked yesterday one of my favorite restaurants the Black Cat Bistro. That's a popular restaurant. I'm sure. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, come up with a with a with a, an explanation why that closed down. But I know other people in in the restaurant business that that are actually thinking about, you know, is it going to be worth it for me anymore? You know, you got Black Cat. Where's that? That's on Preston, and it shut down. Yeah, it was. I saw it on Facebook. They're closing down at the end of this month. Wow. And they, they've been okay. around forever. Yeah. No, I, I haven't been there, but I've heard about them. Yeah, it's a fabulous restaurant. It was one of my favorite restaurants, and I was sad to see them uh, closing down, or they're going to close down at the end of the month. And, you know, it's it's all these taxes that just keep adding up and adding up and adding up that to the point where, you know, at what point, say a beer, at, at, you know, you, you go across to Brothers here, and all of a sudden a beer is like $12, $13. Well, you're going to have less. You're you going to have one instead of two. Yeah, exactly, or you, you just can't afford it anymore. And this is what happens is that they create all this mess, and then – you know, it just attacks the businesses themselves because they don't, you know, they don't have the volume anymore. It just, it just becomes too, too expensive for them. Look at the price of beef now. People are, you know, I, ha- I know restaurants that stop carrying beef because it's just too expensive. People well, I, aren't buying it anymore. I, I had a, a woman on last night who is a, you know, blogger and uh, writer on issues of frugality who, just to talk about with meat going up 7 to 9% this year. Yeah. How do you still feed your family? Well, yeah, and how and, do you eat well and 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 still, you know, not break the bank? Well, and and a restaurant if they're faced with 8 to 10%, you know, for a steak and a steak's already over $20 cost if you go to a, get a good AAA steak, 
then it, then they have to make th- that their increase on that. So it's actually up 20% by the time you actually pay for it. So it gets too expensive. So people don't buy it. People might stay home you know, uh, more often because it's just getting so expensive to go out. And, and you and, don't want to say to you, uh, your wife, let's go out for some chicken fingers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want a nice restaurant. <laughs> yeah, sure. no, nobody says, honey, <laughs> let's go out for some chicken fingers Yeah, or some nachos because we can't afford the beef. Well, uh, you know, nachos I can get, but yeah. you don't want to go out for some chicken fingers. I was speaking with Dave Howard. He's one of the guys behind uh, uh, Whippersnapper Brewery, uh, among other businesses in town, and he is kind enough to bring me an Okila and Okela. Okela, okay, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I've never visited. I'm, I'm not. I'm not Ian. I haven't visited Thailand. Yeah, exactly. I know who made this beer, by the way. Yes, his partner Ian used to uh, uh, travel around the world, and one of the places he was in was Thailand. I'm guessing that's where this comes from. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about the beer festival coming up in Canada in just a minute, but um, let's just close out on this. I mean. What does it do to someone like you? Does it make you say, okay, do we go back to working more hours and hire less people? Or does it make you say, not worth it anymore, let's shut down? Just when you add it all up. I'm not saying that this escalator tax alone is going to make you say, let's shut things down. But you add up the escalator tax, the hydro price, the minimum wage, the EI, the CPP, you add up all of it. Yeah, well, and you know, a lot of people were right in the middle of our lease, for example. So when we signed our lease, there wasn't going to be a 32% increase in minimum wage. There wasn't going to be that, the tax increases. There wasn't going to be the, you know, the 2% on, you know, alcohol. And all this stuff adds up. You know, at the end of the day, we, we won't know, you know, after this year and we get settled in next year with the higher minimum wage, we'll have to wait and see come at the end of the lease time if, if it's actually going to you know, be worth it for us because quite honestly, it is going to be very, very difficult for us. We're going to have to, you know, probably work more, um, you know, as but owners. If you shut down, how many people would lose their jobs? Uh, we, we have about uh, nine people f- between full and part-time uh, currently working, you know, starting from from us. And then the, the, the three partners, each our wives come in, but, you know, we're working for free. You're working <laughs> for free. And then, you know, you look at all the other craft breweries and I know that you guys – there's a friendship. There's a kinship. Oh, absolutely. Among we're, the craft all, we're all friends. We help each other. You know, we're at festivals and events. Um, and and so you think of the 20 plus craft brewers in town. Yep. You can see an off. You know, you start multiplying that, and they're good paying jobs. And plus, people like buying our beer. You know, it's 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 just. You well, know, there's, there's get, a whole pub down at Lansdowne now mm-hmm. devoted to craft beer, mm-hmm. and uh, these are it's these. Called craft. It's called yep. craft. And and I've never seen a a tap room quite like this. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time in the the bar industry and the the restaurant industry. I've never saw a tap room quite like this. And you know, you cut that in half in Ottawa. That's a lot of jobs gone. That's for sure. And it's it's you know it scares the daylight out of us and that knowing you know not knowing what the increases are. So all right. Well, let's talk about something happy for a minute because mm-hmm. you have something coming up uh, next week. Yeah, so next uh, – Just before Canada Day. Just before Canada Day. So, you know, I got into the beer business and then I, you know, I have uh, um, several uh, friends and uh, we decided to – You other have friends? Fr- yeah, I have friends, yeah. You know, How'd when, that when, happen? When, you know, when I'm not working, I, I do get a friend now and again. Uh, but, um, um, yeah, so uh, two other friends, um, uh, Rick and Colin, uh, we decided to start uh, Canada uh, uh, Canada Festival of Beer. And what we've done is we've tied it into Canada Day in Canada – um, Which is quite a big deal. It is quite a bit. You know, we have thirty to 40,000 people. There's, 
you know, bands playing there, um, you know, obviously all day on Saturday and uh, yeah, Friday evening. So we've added the Friday evening where it's, you know, basically the, the, our actual festival and then we're carrying it over into the, to the full day. So, uh, yeah, we have that coming up uh, this weekend or sorry, no, next weekend. And, you know, what, what, we've, what we've done, so it's a free event uh, and, you know, we have, there's going to be 10. And the beer's not free. The though. beer's not free. Because you're not allowed to do that in Ontario. No, but at the same time, other, uh, other craft beer festivals, you know, it costs 20 bucks to get in. This yeah. is absolutely free. So you can, um, you know, go and there's 10 different uh, beer companies there who have three, two, three, four different types of beers. We have two wineries. You can wineries. sample them all. You can sample them all. Two wineries. Two wineries, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's, we have some, um, you know, cider as well. And so, you know, it, it is a free event. However, you know, I mean, you, you see what's, what's going to happen down at the Hill. I mean, I've talked talking to some people today. It's just going to be mayhem with the security and whatnot. So we're trying to create an atmosphere where, you know, stay in Canada. It's a great place to be. You don't want to be downtown uh, in, the, in the thrush of, of I people. I can't remember the last time I went to the Hill for Parliament uh, or for Canada Day. So that's what we're trying I, to do. I'm <laughs> down at the Hill all the time, though. Yeah, so. exactly. Oh, I know, you know, it's been a few years for me, too, and it's, it's a little crowded. And so what we're trying to promote is, you know, come down here. You can go into the uh, beer festival for free. And if you want, you know, uh, the ultimate, we have a – we've opened up this year a, a VIP section, and we, you can find all the details on uh, uh, Canada Day in Canada – uh, the Canada Beer Festival website, um, and uh, you I know, gotta we, tell you this this Oki Law that I'm trying, like it's pretty tasty. So I, it's uh, it says uh, the story. I spent a lot of time working in Southeast Asia, uh, setting up semiconductor factories in Malaysia, China, and Singapore. So I know that's Ian. It's ginger coriander cream ale. So I mean, this is the type of thing that you can try at a beer fest that maybe you wouldn't, because as you say. You go out to a bar now, and and the cost of beer keeps going up, and so maybe you don't want to. Nah, I'll stick with what I know. You yeah, won't exactly. necessarily try something different at a beer fest. You can try something different. Yeah, so we sell the tickets. You know, you can buy four ounces at a time, so you can go have four ounces here, four ounces there, and you know, like what, like I was saying, if you want the the VIP section, you know, there is a fee. You can go on our uh, um, Canada Festival of Beer uh, site, and uh, there's VIP washroom. Uh, there's snacks. There's VIP parking. I guess okay. ten, 10 different breweries. And what we have playing, uh, we have a full set of um, uh, You got Finger playing. 11 playing. Finger 11 is our uh, headliner. We have The Start playing Friday night. We also have Tommy Swick, uh, Daisy Train, and Cannon. So okay. I know four. none of the rest, but I remember Finger 11 from my misspent youth. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. We're looking forward to it. So we just hope the weather is going to be cooperating for us this year because last year it was a little rainy, a little thunder, a little lightning, too much for us. I think I remember that. Uh, do check out the uh, the Canada Day in Canada and the Canada Beer Festival. Dave Howard joining us from Whippersnapper. The travails of being a small business owner, I tell you, Dave, That between that and paperwork, I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Brian. All the best. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Stick around. We're hoping, still hoping to join up with uh, Jody Middick, Canadian Sniper. Might be the name of his book. I, I don't know. Uh, and we'll talk to him about this latest record. A tremendous feat. A three and a half kilometer kill with the single bullet. Back after this. Some days, the resistance verges on rebellion. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA.
All right, we're hoping to contact uh, Councillor Middick after this. He is in the middle of a meeting. We'll try and drag him out, and um, if not, then... Uh, well, we'll figure something else out, but uh, we want to talk to him about this latest Canadian sniper hit. I, I do want to tell you, though, that there is a petition that has started to try and stop the Salvation Army shelter from moving to Vanier. They want to move from the Byward Market to 333 Montreal Road in Vanier, and there's a petition online. It's only a few dozen signatures now, but I got to tell you, I'm going to bet that's going to grow. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back after this. News Talk 580 CFRA. something that ladies and gentlemen was the sound of me firing a 50 caliber rifle for the very first time it was out at the eastern ontario um range in bourgette metropolitan bourgette if you're not familiar with it uh and it was the guys uh, it was ross bagrod from pgw defense used to be PGW stands for Prairie Gunworks. They changed their name a few years ago. They supply an awful lot of the sniper rifles for the Canadian forces. And it wasn't one of their rifles this time, though, that led to the world's longest sniper shot. According to the Globe and Mail, it was actually a Macmillan TAC-50. Have you heard this story yet? This is fantastic. In my view, this is a fantastic story. A sniper with JTF-2 took out an ISIS scumbag from three and a half kilometers away. Three and a half kilometers away. 3,540 meters. Currently, Canadian snipers own three of the top five spots for the world's longest kill. I mean, it seemed morbid that you cheer that on, but considering that we're talking about taking out really bad dudes, to use a Donald Trump term, I think this is a good thing. I happen to know one of them. I happen to know Rob Furlong, who you heard on this radio station earlier today. He took out a Taliban scumbag at 2,430 meters and for several years held the longest kill. Then a Brit soldier took somebody out at 2,475 meters. All right, let, let, let me just go from number five. Let's do like a Casey Kasem or let, let's go more modern, a Ryan Seacrest countdown. Okay, we're going to do the Ryan Seacrest countdown of top five kills. Number Coming in number five, an American soldier whose name I don't know killed somebody at 2,300 meters, 2.3 kilometers. Can you imagine that? I can't even see that. 2.3 kilometers. Then there was a Canadian soldier killed somebody at 2.310. So 2,310 meters. So a 10-meter difference. Rob Furlong comes around. 
2,430 meters. So he increased it by more than 100 meters, more than a football field. A couple years later, Brit Soldier comes along. Not even a football field, half a football field, if that, because he takes somebody down, and I believe this was in Afghanistan as well, at 2,475 meters. But this latest elite forces sniper shooter has taken somebody down at 3,540 meters. What's the story? Well, the story is that this Islamic State scumbag was about to try and take out a bunch of Iraqi soldiers. My guess is that this is during the, the attempt to take back Mosul because that's what's going on right now. And we are there to advise and assist. Apparently, advise and assist includes taking out scumbags from three and a half kilometers away. Hoo-yah! That's what I say to that. Uh, Jody Medic, we were hoping to get Jody Medic on to, um, to talk about this. He, unfortunately, is you know, caught up in meetings related to city business. But he was on the show earlier. By the way, Perry's emailing me saying, come on now, Brian, stop using scumbags to describe the enemy. You're insulting scumbags. Uh, no, they're scumbags. They're scumbags for sure. So uh, Jody Minnick was uh, an RCR sniper. Counselor for Innis Ward, double amputee. We all know his story. Like my brother-in-law, he was a, on a sniper team. And um, these guys go out. So the sniper teams go out in in interesting groupings. You've got guys that are the spotters, guys that are the snipers, and then you got the guys that run the gas guns. That's what they call them. They're the gas guns. What are the gas guns? That's like a three hundred eight. And you're there just to shoot at anyone that might get in the way of the sniper. You're there for cover. The spotter is there to use whatever advanced technology and um, spotting ability they have to look and see where's the target. Who do we need to take out? Who's doing something that we don't like? And then there's the guy pulling the trigger. Jody Minnick was asked, how good was this hit when he was on with Evan Solomon earlier today? I'll, I'll give you what I think, and then Rob will tell you probably right. the real way because he actually had to do this. Uh, you know, ballistic charts and tables are probably being rewritten based on this shot. Um, it's one of those things that when you take, like Rob said, you take all your experience, years and years to get to that level. They've probably been operating in the area for a while. They know the ranges and the distances that they're shooting. They got some of the latest equipment. Uh, but Carlos Hathcock and his... Uh, autobiography, and he held the record from since Vietnam until Rob broke it. Right. So he, he called it a swag. It's scientific, wild ass guess, and it's everything you know, everything you you know, and everything you don't know, and everything you've done, and your experience says when I pull this trigger, I should hit that target. And you punch in all the data, you set your scope, you set yourself, and your spotter says send it, and you pull the trigger, and your swag will either be successful or not and it's yeah. and it's something we all do in our profession but as a sniper it's one of those things where it just all came together for this individual and it ended up in a successful engagement and rob rob furlong you're listening to that i remember when but, you sorry but yeah, think about ahead. this i was chatting in the lobby 
a one millimeter deviation on target at the barrel yeah. is a three and a half meter miss at the target at that range. And when you flinch a shot, though, it's never by a millimeter, right? It's usually so, by centimeters. I mean, is, imagine that. You, you, you miss by a millimeter at the barrel. You're missing by meters at the target. You know, so I shot that 50 caliber out in Bourget. I hit the target. I was shooting at 100 yards. I'm not even sure I hit bullseye. I know with the 308, I think I hit just north of bullseye. I'm working with the best rifles going. I'm working with the best scopes. I, I'm not a fan of scopes. Anybody that knows me knows I'm not a fan of scopes. I like iron sights. But if you're shooting that far away, you're using a scope. I've just, it, that that's not my experience. That's not what I've used traditionally. And so, you know, I'm, I'm getting more used to them as time goes on. But these guys are taking somebody out at three and a half kilometers. Of course you're using a scope. You can't see somebody at three and a half kilometers with iron sights. Minnick was asked by Evan, what does this mean that somebody was taken out from that far away? Rumors started coming around in the last month or so that something was going to come out big in the sniper community. So when Rob set his record, uh, at the time we had only two rifles, a three hundred eight and a fifty caliber, uh, which is what he made his shot with, which was outstanding. And uh, But then we came in with the three thirty eight Magnum, and when we first got it, we knew it was going to break some records. And then the last time the record was broken was with that mm-hmm. rifle, right? But it was broken by, like, 50 meters. Right. And then, so I'm thinking, oh, okay, someone made a kill at another 10 meters or maybe another 40 meters, but it's a full kilometer, pretty much, distance. And I'm very surprised, and, and like, the, the distance is amazing, but at the same time, I'm not surprised because Canadian snipers are, some fin, Finnish guys might argue with you, we're the, we technically are the, the best in the world. I like that he said some Finnish guys might argue with you because, um, you know, the, the Finns make some of the great uh, sights in terms of guns. You, you don't have to know about guns. I'll, I'll tell you that. They make some of the best guns going. Uh, as far as what this means to the, you know, significance to sniping teams, yeah, three out of the top five records owned by Canadians. I know two of the top snipers in Canadian forces history. You know, I know Rob Furlong personally. I used to do a weekly segment with him back on Sun News. Rob's a good guy. He's more talkative with Evan than I've ever uh, heard him. But I think because Rob's better on the phone than he is on TV. Lots of people see a TV camera and freeze up. Rob sounded fantastic if you heard him today. But what's the bigger significance? What's the wider significance of all of this for Canadian snipers? That's what Jody Middick was asked. It happened to Rob and it happened to me. You pack for two days and you're out for 24. I think in his case, it might have been 30. In my case, it was 20. I just want to say, can you imagine that? You're going out on, you know, I've gone out on 10-day runs with the military where, but I'm expected to go out for a 10-day run. Can you imagine packing for a two-day outing and being out for 24 or 30 days? But that's what they're talking about here. It happened to Rob and it happened to me. You pack for two days and you're out for 24. I think in his case, it might have been 30. In my case, it was 24. And at the, at the whole time, you're carrying more equipment, eating less food, having more responsibility in a group of two to four, uh, as like a, a group right. of 30 might have beside you. Now, in Canada, because we're a small army, we're a force multiplier. That's our role. So if you have snipers in a good position of observation and, and engagement, 
you can free up an area that you typically might have been covered by a platoon, a company, maybe even a battle group, because we can see uh, much further even than we can engage and use air, air assets and artillery as well. So in this case, if you look at the, the shot in Iraq, they interrupted a suicide bomber who was going after Iraqi forces, from what I understand. Right. That's massive. Who knows how many lives he saved? Who knows uh, what the impact is on ISIS? Because now they don't know. They have no idea what happened. Uh, so, they, so they're thinking there's some new technology out there that they can't even see. It's, you know, it, it's the impact of snipers is, is a massive one. And one sniper can, you know, pit, which actually Carlo Hathcock again, yeah. him and his spotter pinned down a, a, an NVA company for two days. Just amazing stories from these guys. Uh, Jody Medic, Rob Furlon, um, Canadian sniper taking somebody out at three and a half kilometers. Unreal. Like I said, I have trouble hitting the bullseye at 100 yards, so uh, bravo to these guys. Just amazing for them. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. We're almost at time for your phone calls at 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. We'll see that up next. Back after this. To you, he's rebellious. To official Ottawa, he's disdainfully insubordinate. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Yes, uh, we do agree with the fact that uh, the escalator tax is a wrong tax. And more than ever, this is a clear indication that the government shall backtrack on that. You know, I, I know we talked about this a bit yesterday, but now that the Senate has acquiesced, most of the conservatives voted um, against this. Some people that were appointed as conservatives, including Mike Duffy and Pamela Wallen, voted in favor of allowing the escalator tax to go forward. Well, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you on this issue. Do you agree that it's okay for Parliament to pass a tax increase in perpetuity? Because in my view, no. You pass a tax rate, you leave it at that. You want to increase it again later on, you pass another law. That's how it should be. You pass another budget, you announce that you're increasing the tax again, you live with the consequences. To me, that's how our parliamentary uh, Westminster system works. I agree with Gerard Deltel. That was Gerard Deltel that you heard earlier, by the way, conservative finance critic, saying that well, he, um, he understood why the Senate's doing it. Now, I understand why the conservatives, when the bill came back, just allowed for unanimous consent along with the NDP and along with the liberals. The NDP and the liberal or the NDP and the conservatives did not agree with this escalator tax. But there is the tradition that says the Senate does not amend money bills. I get all of that. But I also think that this is a dangerous precedent to set to allow Parliament to permanently increase taxes. 
So I'd love to hear your views on that at 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1-800-580-CFRA. couple of other things I'd like to hear from you on. Changing O Canada. Do you like the idea of changing O Canada? The Senate was able to block that so far. They've blocked it for now. Hopefully it will change. Muriel Belanger. Everyone said we've got to pass it. It's a dying man's last wish. Well, Muriel Belanger was a proud Franco-Ontarian that never wanted to change the French lyrics to O Canada. And I'm sorry, they're not exactly inclusive. So all you progressives out there, call up and tell me why we shouldn't be changing the French language uh, lyrics to O Canada at 521-TALK. And then finally, the issue of Canadian snipers. Three out of the top five kill records in the world are with Canadian snipers. I think that speaks volumes to the quality of our military. We're small, but apparently we're fierce. 521-TALK, 521-8255. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back after this, your calls, your emails, your thoughts, Beyond the News at CFRA.com. I'm going to admit to cracking my second beer because uh, Dave from Whippersnapper left some for me. And so now I'm drinking a um, Carolan Irish Blonde Ale. Not going to complain. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1-800-580-CFRA. Uh, James in Ottawa calling in about snipers. Yeah, really? Really? What are you drinking? A blonde ale, eh? It's an Irish Blonde Ale. It's it's. Kelly, man. It's good beer, man. That's all I got to tell you. It's good beer. Have you seen this? Like, actually, at 3,450 meters. Uh, 3,000. Yeah. No, no. Hold on. Let's get it right. 3,540 no, no, meters. You got you got those two numbers 40, transposed there. Sir, 3,540 meters. meters. That is incredible. Isn't that amazing? Most people How don't walk do that? that in a day. You actually have to, uh, like... Literally, I guess, you know, I don't know what you do. You float on space or on a cloud and, and uh, drop so, a bomb or something. I mean, there's an awful <laughs> lot. There, there is actually an awful lot of math involved. Yeah, I know. And if yeah, you thought yeah, you'd go into the Army because math is hard, well, yeah. maybe well, not. Math a, is hard, yeah. Math, I wasn't in the Navy for because math was hard. I was in the Navy because we had to do triangulations. Uh, it was you, really easy. You were in the so, Navy, James? Yeah, I was in uh uh, the NESOP in uh, in a few different uh, operations. I, I will I will try and bite my tongue and not mock you. I'm getting older now. I'll try and so, not mock you for being in the Navy. Uh, There's so mock, many jokes running through yeah, my mind right now, and I'm sure you've heard them all. <laughs> I heard a lot of shit. Um, uh, oh, hey, you know, watch your okay, tongue, man. I, watch I, your yeah, tongue. I, I got to be careful. Okay, listen. Uh, but but I mean, kudos. We don't know who this. Hold, hold on, James. Hold on. We don't know who this sniper is. But kudos to them. I mean, this is just a fantastic feat, isn't it? Uh, it I think that's it, quite incredible. 
And uh, not only the first time, there was like one in Afghanistan that would actually uh, had uh, pushed it forward. And then this latest one is uh, an extra kilometer. Imagine that. Yeah. So uh, we had uh, so the guy that was um, the Canadian that was at 2.4 kilometers is Rob Furlong, uh, a man that I've met many times, uh, shared beers with. Uh, mm-hmm. and interviewed on, uh, used to do a weekly segment with him back in the Sun News days. And and Rob was on earlier, and Rob was trying to say, you know, downplay what he did. And, I, you know, if you haven't heard the whole interview with Rob and Evan and Jody Minnick, I encourage you to check it out on the CFRA uh, website. Yeah. But, you know, because mm-hmm. Jody, Jody interrupted and said, Rob, don't downplay what you did. You did what you did. In the days yeah. before we had all these computers, I mean, the guys who are out there now, yeah. they've got computers hooked was, up to their goggles. Yeah. Who is it? Like computers, are they? And then you look at uh, what's going on, like you're wrapping around uh, Kaspersky around the uh, uh, moon around Saturn. It's just incredible, like uh, the amount of mathematics involved there. Yeah. You know? No, it's, and, it's, and, it's and fantastic. The, and I, the I, same I, amount of mathematics is involved. When it comes to using trajectory, the Earth's, uh, you know, uh, curvature and uh, and wind and everything, all you know, these things that have to be able to make that kill shot. You know, James, I used I used to wish that I'd paid attention in math so I could be good at pool and hustle people. <laughs> this is better. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, incredible. <laughs> five to one talk. Five to one eight two five five star five eighty on Bell Mobility. Simone in Ottawa calling in about the anthem. Simone, you're on Beyond the News. Yes, uh, I'm calling because. Um I think that the National Anthem, uh, they've got their powers all over the National Anthem, and I don't think that should be touched to start with. It's a, uh, it's a traditional sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially en français, ouais. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, a traditional sound comes from tradition, and your tradition and history is what makes your culture. So you start touching that, it means a lot. In Quebec, they don't... Um, they're very strong on their culture, so that's why they've never even brought up the subject about changing any words because they're very strong on their culture and tradition. Even though the words that are in O Canada and French says a lot of things that probably don't even work anymore, like, you know, like... Uh, Cross and sword. Like, I mean, why don't we change sword to gun now? Because sword, they don't fight sword anymore. <laughs> well, even when they wrote the the songs in a, the song in eighteen eighty, they were still fighting with guns. So, so anyway, you leave the words the way it was then because it's the beginning of our country, and through referendum and years of separatist uh, issues and all that, nobody in Quebec ever dreamed to touch O Canada. And no, not on Francais. Honor to the flag and pride to the flag. They don't, they don't touch O Canada because it's part of their culture. It's part of well, you know, I, I, I agree and I understand. But, you know, if you're going to change, and here's my thing. Tell me, tell me if you would like this, Simone is that I say to Justin Trudeau, and, and you, you're calling in, you're a Franco-Canadian, Franco-Ontarian? Me? 
Are you Franco-Ontarian? I was born in Quebec. I spent most of my life, uh, well, as a young person in Quebec. Okay, but... I have my accent. <laughs> so, well, I can tell you're a Francophone, and, you know, that, that's neither here nor there. But my point is that uh, nobody said, let's change the French words. But you've got Muriel Belanger, Francophone, who first proposed with the bill, change the English words. Justin Trudeau, champions, changing the English words. Nobody says change the French words. If we took, I don't think anybody would let them. If we took away all the francophones voting on changing the English words, you know what? It wouldn't pass. It would never pass. If we just said, okay, only the anglophones can vote on changing the English words, it would never pass. Would not happen. But, you know, the francophones, what do they care if we change the English words? The French words aren't changing. They're not going to change, as you say, the, the, you know, wielding the sword and carrying the cross. They don't care about that. So why change the English words if you're not also going to change the French words? If Justin Trudeau and his liberals want to change the English words because they're not inclusive enough, well, change the French words as well. Because why are we talking about our, our valor steeped in our faith? Well, what faith is that? I don't think the French, I don't think it would go well with the French. No, neither do I. So yeah. then leave everybody alone. <laughs> I don't like it, them fooling around with the English words either. Exactly. Neither do I. Thanks for the call, Simone. Okay. Thanks. 521 Talk, 521 8255, Star 580 on Bell Mobility. Back after this, I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. Believe it. The resistance is here. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five star five eighty on Bell Mobility. Uh, Rudy in Ottawa is calling in about. Hi, I, uh, Rudy. You're calling in about this special tax. Are you talking about the escalator tax? I'm going to talk about the three of them or two of them at least. Okay. Uh, on the issue of the uh, changing the anthem, uh, the words of the anthem, I totally agree with Simone, and uh, because of the tradition and. Uh, even the Francophone uh, people are proud of the wording. I don't know why they have to change anything in it. Uh, this number one. You know, Rudy, I actually think the French <laughs> lyrics to Canada are better than the English lyrics. I'm sorry? I, I think the French lyrics are better than the English lyrics. The French lyrics are fantastic. That's right. They're, you know... Uh, uh, the glorious deeds circle your brow. You know how to wield the sword, carry the cross. You, you, your valor steeped in faith, defender of rights in our homes. Yeah, that sounds like, oh yeah, let's go get them. That's what that sounds like. That's right. So, besides I'm an immigrant. I've only been here for uh, 50 years. Yeah, so yeah well, can, only 50 years. Uh, so, only what do you know? So what do you know, Rudy? What do I know? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, on the Navy thing, I can tell you one thing. In the late 70s, when I used to start to audit the uh, 
national defense. I used to see between floors uh, big posters uh, with a ship and uh, two people talking, and it says in the bottom, lose ship, lose lips, uh, sink ships. Uh, <laughs> it's a great well, saying, and yeah, it's true. Well, I never saw that before, uh, before, and I never saw that after. Like it, late 70s, it was everywhere in the national defense. And I said to myself, oh, what type of Navy is that? And uh, then in the, I ordered them in the 90s, uh, these uh, posters uh, were disappeared. On the taxation, we learned something. They say no taxation without what? Representation. Correct. And, and, and this and, escalator and, uh, tax is taxation <laughs> without representation. The present, representation is the parliament of the day. And, and that goes back to the Magna Carta That's in correct. 1215. That's correct. I don't think that Mr. Trudeau uh, was in his good state of mind when he inserted that. Probably he was enjoying the marijuana again. <laughs> Pardon me. Well, yeah, well he's talked about it. I, I, I can't and, say he wasn't. So, uh, Besides, uh, he's no longer young, so his father doesn't need to you know, to prevent him from being charged for smoking. So he's the prime minister himself, so... Yeah, this is all true. He can do it himself. But So to you, this, this idea of a tax that goes up... Unconstitutional. Every single... You think it's unconstitutional? I believe it is unconstitutional. Can you imagine if he sets a precedent and the, 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 the provincial government start to do the same thing, then the municipalities... My God, we'll be taxed to death. If they wanted to go, and I talked about this earlier, I said if they want to every single year say we're going to raise taxes by 2% on A, B, and C, and then they have a vote on it, all right, I'm good with that because they had a vote on it. And then, Rudy, we can turn around and say, well, you had this vote, this vote, and that vote, and we don't like it, so we can vote you in or we can vote you out. But to just say we're going to do it and then never think about it again, never talk about it again, nobody will ever touch it, that I don't like. It's frustrating. Thanks for the call, Rudy. Uh, it is sad. Put it Very sad. Thanks so much. Uh, who is next? Let's go to uh, Micheline calling in about uh, the middle class and the Sally Ann. Is the middle class going to pay for the Sally Ann? Well, go figure. Brian? Go figure. Go figure what? What are you talking about, Michelin? <laughs> you just asked me a question. Yeah. So and then I responded. What do you call it? You're calling about the Sally Ann. How do you feel about I'm, the moving to Montreal Road? First of all, I'm calling uh, with regards to the middle class taxpayers. Well, they don't drink, so they're and not going to be calling, affected by this uh, tax hike because well, middle class people never touch beer or wine or anything like that. Brian, I'll be quick because my time is up. Trump? Huge win in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that uh, it's, you know, two days ago, but for me it was a win for the middle class taxpayers. Zero for Republicans. The middle class taxpayers, they don't, they don't listen to the media. CNN, CBC, CTV, blah, blah, blah. Fleury, I'll be quick. He represents uh, Sandy Hill, Lower Town, and Vanier. 
Sally ha- Sally Ann Bryan has been down where they are right now for over 30 years, 20, I say 25 years, maybe 30 years. Yep. And because of one, two incidents last year in the market, uh, Monsieur Fleury, uh, the young swimming instructor, decided to, ah, Sally Ann, you're no longer welcome here. So Fleury, you, do you believe in karma? I do. Because Fleury told Sally Ann, you're no longer welcome on the market. And uh, the, now they're and, in Venya and, and he's, <laughs> he's not happy. And you know what? Uh, the tax, uh, Monsieur Fleury spent over $275,000 of our middle class taxpayers' dollars on what, Brian? On a King Edward truck study tunnel. And have you heard anything about that study, Brian? I, I, I've heard about the study, and it's a horrible idea. So and, and, let's and, hope and, it doesn't come to fruition. And our, and our roads in the meantime, Brian, Monsieur Fleury, Mathieu Fleury, the roads in Ottawa, uh, Br- uh, Brian, you know what I envision? Uh, <laughs> Doug, well, Doug Ford, Ontario Premier Majority, Andrew but, Scheer, Federal Majority, and Brian Lilly, Mayor of Ottawa, <laughs> with a majority! <laughs> oh, now uh, you- I don't know what you're smoking, Michelin. I gotta let you go. I smoke nothing, Brian. I, you know. We gotta get to I, one I'm more tr- call. I'm truthful. <laughs> Thank you. Let's Bye. go to uh, Stephanie in the pen. Uh, last word in this half hour to you, Stephanie. You're on Beyond the News. Oh, thank you very much for taking my call at the last uh, minute there. Um, I just wanted to uh, briefly uh, just bring up the the drug bust that recently happened. Yeah. I just wanted to say that I'm I'm actually super super happy that. Um, that they caught this, uh, you know, this huge drug bust with all the, I don't know, thousands uh, the, the, the big pill press and all the chemicals. Yes. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, imagine all, all the, um, you know, the pills that have been taken off the streets. And, um, you know, I live in a really good neighborhood. And um, about a decade ago, there, I'm not going to tell you uh, where I live because I don't know. Yeah, yeah, not not a problem. Go on. Um, And uh, there was a a huge, massive drug bust that happened um, right across the street from me. They had, like, um, hundreds of marijuana plants, uh, any kind of pill that you could think of that they were making. And they had kids as well, too. And they were in cahoots with another house that was across the street from them. And they still live, um, you know, down the street from me. But um, this other, uh, uh, many years ago, this other couple lives in that uh, drug bus um, that happened across they, the street they, from me. They're gone. They're gone. Oh, yeah. They were gone a long time ago. Anyway, they're, they went to jail and everything. Like, the police came. They were, they were uh, surveying that house for very many years. And um, they actually, one day, just uh, was happened to be outside and then... And they, the SWAT team came, broke down the door, um, took the people out, and they, like, oh, man, it was like... I, I can tell you, Stephanie, you can live in the nicest neighborhood or the roughest yeah. neighborhood. I have covered drug busts and murders in every single part of this city. Yeah. It, every it was, single part. It's crazy. It, it really is, uh, but that's that's people. And I don't know, like, I, I don't know how, like, the police and everything and the, they keep on top of everything. Like, is it, 
do they have like certain neighborhoods that they look at or is it just from like word of mouth they know where to kind of survey it's kind of like, like being a reporter kind of was... it's kind of like being a reporter you talk to a lot of people you move around a lot you find out yeah. information that's anyway. that's what it comes down to god bless them for what they do yeah honestly all right thanks really. for the call stephanie Thank you. Have a great night. You too. 521 Talk, 521 8255, Star 580 on Bell Mobility. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back after this. A rebel? You know it. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five star five eighty on Bell Mobility or one eight hundred five eight zero CFRA. I I just want to throw this out again. I I asked for it last night and I got a little bit of response, just a little bit, not enough, but I want to hear more. What about changing the music? I'm going to be changing the the intro music because I've been using the same songs for the last year and a half. What songs do you want to hear? The only caveat I have is no classic rock. So someone last night tweeted at me that I should be using Ted Nugent. I love Uncle Ted. Great gunman. He goes bear hunting just about an hour north of here every year. You can join Ted Nugent on a bear hunt if you want in northern Quebec. But uh, not going to be using Ted Nugent. Uh, one of the other requests that I can remember was the Arrhythmics. Would I lie to you? No, I wouldn't. So maybe that's a good song. But uh, you can drop me a line beyond the news at CFRA.com. You can tweet at me at Brian Lilly or drop me a line on Facebook. To Frank in Greeley calling in about the anthem. Frank, you're on hey, Beyond the News. How you doing, Brian? I'm good. What are your thoughts on the anthem and changing yeah, the words? Mr. Belanger uh, lost his uh, Melanger, Belanger. Well, uh, he, he is, he's passed on now. He's passed on more than he, well, almost a year now. He lost his marbles there. No, yeah, well, think, yeah, Frank, let's 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 be respectful of the deceased. He died yeah. last August. No, but, you know, really, uh, you know. Uh, I, I don't be, get why he wanted to change the English words and not the French. Yeah, it's not like, you know, like our home and native land, the you know, you know the, what's that wrong with that? Toronto City right. Council wanted that line removed back in 1990. Well, so if we remove in all thy sons command, like then our our, our home land. and native land is gone next. No, that's kind of ridiculous. Like you know, the silly our us land. You know, it's kind of. So you'd like the anthem to stay as it is? I'd say it's the best way it is. I'd say it's all right, even in the French version. Like, is that right? Like, you know, Captain Black, Party Lipia, you know, and stuff like that. All right. And then I'd say it's fine it's the way it is. Well, you know, I if if you're going to yeah. call, uh, especially if you're Francophone that's going to call for the English uh, lyrics to be changed, <laughs> be willing to change the French lyrics. Otherwise, zip it. <laughs> well, that's it. Thanks for the call, Frank. All right, very good. You too. Let's go to John in Ottawa calling in about the anthem as well. John, you're on Beyond the News. Good evening, Brian. 
I'll keep it brief. If they want to make it more inclusive for everybody, mm-hmm. well, then there are limited terms that you can use. One one I would think about using is anatomically and verifiably correct sons and daughters. And I'll leave it as such. What? Hold on. Say that again. What? Anatomically and scientifically correct sons and daughters. <laughs> Well, you could just say in all of us command, which is what Morel Belanger wants. Well, but as I say, us is in there now. You have to be more specific than that. Even when I hear somebody saying man or woman, I want to pop in. And are they scientifically documented? And they look at me and they realize, oh, here we go. Well, well we, we, we have up that can of worms. We have been told in the uh, Ontario curriculum that there's far more than uh, two genders. There's between six and oh. seventy-two, depend on depending on who you're listening to. So when Justin oh, yeah. Trudeau says yeah. he has a gender balanced cabinet, yeah. you know, I'm not sure he actually does. Which genders are we talking about, John? I'm waiting to see them, what they'll do when they catch them being in the wrong place at the wrong time and then say, oh, well, I just thought I'd be that kind of person today. Well, well we shall see on that. Work. Thanks for the call, <laughs> John. Care. Let's go to Duncan in Ottawa. Duncan, you're on Beyond the News. I'm with you on the tinkering of the, of the, of the anthem. The, 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 Unfortunately, no matter what you do with it, somebody's nose is going to be is going to be out of out of joint. But you know, <laughs> true patriot love in all of us commands. You know, it, it, it makes no sense. What does it mean? In, in the original uh, lyrics by uh, by I believe it was Robert Weir, he said, "In thou dost us command." Oh well, I suppose you could rephrase it. To so say, well, I mean that that was the original lyrics. They changed it to "All Thy Sons Command" yeah. in 1914 yeah. because of the the First World War. Uh, you know, the, the English lyrics have been changed plenty of times, but let's at least have a proper conversation about it and not just rush it through, saying, "Well, it's a dying man's last wish, and this is what he really wanted." I'm sorry, it was a francophone MP from. Ontario that mostly cared about francophone issues or general issues, not about the English words to O Canada. Well, I mean, I, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, if anybody else but Belanger would have had, had, had suggested this, um, you know, it would, it would never pass because, because he was, because he was dying. And I don't want to say he wasn't a courageous man. But because because he because he was because he had a courageous battle of um, with 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 MS they 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 figured you know we might as well honor his legacy but you know now people are having second thoughts um, remember there what I mean some people wanted to remove God you know from the anthem. It's ludicrous. Uh, that's going to be next, or home and native land, or something. Uh, you know, I remember Carolyn Bennett a few years ago came up with a uh, a new bilingual version of the anthem, so that it was both gender neutral and removed God from the anthem. And and I thought, really, this is what you've got to spend your time on is tinkering with the anthem, quite like this. Don't oh, you have a better, better thing to do with your life than this? This is it. Well, we're all too touchy, Brian. Uh, everybody is. Thanks for the call, Duncan. Bye. 
521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Um, gentleman named uh, Father Scan writes in to say that um, he has to say, as an immigrant to Canada, I could never have uh, gotten through life without Sears. They did everything for us in our house, from duct cleaning to the air conditioning to remodeling the kitchen. They did it all. And I never even got a catalog. How did you not get a Sears catalog? Didn't they just show up in your doorstep like Ikea? My word. It also says that in his opinion, the 7.62 millimeter NATO FN FAL round called the R1 in South Africa was the best rifle going. I have to say, I love the FN. Probably my favorite rifle, but I can't own one. And if I did own one, I couldn't take it to the range right now. I couldn't shoot it. It would actually be against the law. I know someone that owns two. He can't even take them to the range to shoot them because to do that would be against the law. Unreal. And Michael writes in and says, the guy who was talking to Evan that said uh, that this, I can't, describe what he calls the ISIS scumbag. Oh, just call him the ISIS scumbag. Uh, said that ISIS would be in a tizzy because they don't know um, what hit them, that it's some new technology. Well, now they know it's just a guy with a tack rifle and not some new tech. Well, yes and no. It's a guy with a tack rifle and an awful lot of new tech. That's why they're able to hit them from three and a half kilometers away. Remember, the old the old record was less than two and a half kilometers. It was 275 or 2.475 meters, 2,475 meters. Let me rephrase that, uh, 2.745 kilometers. Uh, so they've increased it by more than a kilometer. That's some new tech, got to say. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back with your calls, your final thoughts, your emails after this. He's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. I'm still just blown away by this Canadian sniper that took somebody out at 3,540 meters. That's 3.5 kilometers Plus an extra 40 meters. Uh, could you shoot somebody at 40 meters? Broke the last record by 1,065 meters. That's more than a kilometer. He broke the last record by. Unreal. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Uh, let's go to George in the prior calling about the uh, the special tax on the booze. Yeah. the uh, you, you, Do you have any skin in the game? Like, do you... Um do any cryptos or stack silver, gold, or have any real estate? Or uh, I've got like a bar of silver somewhere. Or, uh, like, or anything? Like, why do you ask, George? Well, if you follow those particular markets, the markets of debt, the interest rates, and everything, the, the main thing they're talking about is, is hyperinflation coming. Because people owe so much money, the only thing left is hyperinflation. You know that. People owe a, 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 a canoe full of money. I can I can attest to that. But um, what does that have to do with a special tax on booze that will go up every single year? 
But that has to do with the with, with inflation too, doesn't it? It's tied tied into inflation. It is tied to inflation. Yep. So if the, if the hyperinflation comes, then then it goes up even a lot the heck more, doesn't it? Okay, so if we get inflation of ten, twelve, fifteen percent, then yep. the tax goes up by that much, and the government never has to go back to Parliament and say, "Let us increase the tax on alcohol by eighteen percent." No, but it goes up to twelve percent. If went up twelve, if inflation went up twelve percent, it goes twelve percent plus another two percent, wouldn't it? Yeah. Fourteen percent. So, and I know that when civilizations do collapse, which I know you study an awful lot, George. Yeah. Uh, but when civilizations do collapse, one of the things that people trade in booze, alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Uh, remember watching this interview with a gentleman from Bosnia, and Bosnia was part of the old Yugoslavia. It was fairly advanced society for the the old Iron Curtain Eastern Bloc groups. And he said, we went from being an advanced society to trading in cigarettes, alcohol, booze, and ammunition within weeks. Another thing they trade in, in is butane lighters. Yeah? Yeah, because the, the, when your butane lighter empties out, if you can figure a way how to refill the small butane lighters, you got yourself a little, little cash business there. And, and from starving. people are, you know, they want to, to light something to be able to smoke or they mm-hmm. want to light something to be able to cook. So... You're you're not crazy on this one. I no, just hope we don't get to hyperinflation, George. No, no, but the but if you if you look look at the, the way things are going, they're purposely trying to destroy this province, as far as I'm concerned. I, I can't I can't argue with that at all. Because, but because yeah, they, that's why Kathleen wins at fifteen percent approval rating, and I want to meet those fifteen percent because uh, I think they're all crazy. Well, if they are, how come our psychologists aren't putting them away? Uh, you're not allowed to do that anymore, George. Got to run. Thanks for the call. Bye. Let's go to Guy, the Capital Voice. Guy, you're on Beyond the News. George actually is quite wise for his years, and I'd like to just concur that it is... Oh, uh, if we get hyperinflation, um, we're going to end up with one or two breweries again, one or two distilleries, and one or two wineries. Well, it's akin to putting a noose around your neck putting it on a small tree and watering it. Isn't it, Brian, the escalator tax? If I remember correctly, <laughs> if I remember correctly, Justin Trudeau had an ad where he was going up on an escalator in mm-hmm. the 2015 election, right? He did. I think I've got to clip that and put a new voiceover to it. <laughs> because having an escalator tax, good God, we had to actually depend on the, on the chamber of sober second thought to stop the Liberals from actually putting the noose around yep. every Canadian's neck and heard, watering the tree, Brian. That, that's I, I what heard. I think it's akin to. It's And Rudy made some very good points. You know, he's an elderly guy. We're all getting on. Brian, they're taking everything. Everything's going up. When are the sheep going to revolt? When are they going to stop getting sheared? I think once they figure out what this tax is about. Now, as far as the the Chamber of Sober Second Thought, I heard Evan on with Bill this morning, and Evan said, I don't know how sober that second thought is. And I have to concur with him. I've been around the Senate a long time. Uh, Is it all that sober? Well, maybe not, but at least they had the good sense to say, hey, this isn't how we do things here. Going back to the Magna Carta, Brian, you know, when he gave those senators independence, that was probably the best thing that Justin ever did, because those independent senators are the only thing that saved us from taxation without representation. Well, and the conservatives. Today, the conservative senators stood up and said no to this. 
Um, the independents, the liberals, and several former conservatives, including Mike Duffy and Pamela Wallen, stood up and said, nope, we're going to allow it. If we automatically program tax increases like two per- Jimmy's 2% and this 2% and that 2%, Brian, we're guaranteeing ourselves further inflation on top of what the I market would, inflation might do. I would it, absolutely it, George, agree. George is right on the money, as usual. All right. Thanks for the call, Guy. Got to go to one more call. Let's go to Alan in Ottawa. You're on Beyond the News. Last word to you, Alan. Uh, well, I think that uh, they should really stop dealing with little items like the... Uh, like the, uh, the anthem, anthem. Yeah. Get, to, get to work getting this country back into financial shape. I mean, if you walk down Bank Street, every second or third store there is a money mart. Another one just opened up beside the McDonald's there. Uh, and every second or third floor is, uh, store is closing. It's an awful, I mean, there's an awful trouble. lot of uh, places don't know what they're going to do in terms of uh, going forward. And you're right. We can't just survive on Money Marts and McDonald's. Yeah, and uh, I finally got a job. Yay. Congrats. It's at uh, oh, Heart and Crown. Well, I, I, I wish you all the best with that, Alan, and, uh, in, and, and I hope things work out well for you. All right. Thank you. All right. All the best. Have a great week. You too. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. Thanks to everyone that called. Thanks for everyone that emailed, participated. Back at it again tomorrow. I'm Brian Lilly. Remember, I'm on your side.